Well, praise God. Let's get into this tonight. Amen. Glory to God. You can open up your Bibles to begin with tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And with all the different meetings that we have, wasn't it just wonderful, the meetings with Dr. Jacobs? Wow. Praise God. All the meetings every night was just so special. But that last service, Wednesday night, um, is one of the high points for me in terms of the tangibility of the anointing in a church service here. And uh, if you were here, it was just such a blessing. And uh, so anyway, we were able to give Dr. Jacobs an outstanding offering, and he was so grateful. And we had a wonderful week financially, too, for the church. So anyway, that's the way to do it, guys. Appreciate uh, your faithfulness and, of course, God's goodness. We know he's behind it. Well, I want, as I talk to God today about uh, what I should do tonight, uh, I, I had peace about jumping back on a series that I had begun a few weeks ago when I've been with you uh, in talking about how to be rich God's way and or rich God's way. And that's, uh, that's titles in honor of my spiritual father, Dr. Ed Dufresne, who has a book by that subject. And, uh, you know, God is not, he doesn't have any bit of a problem with you having an abundance. You or I, that's his will. Amen. And, uh, but... Uh, you know, he does have a problem with our being covetous and our being selfish and stingy and, and neglectful of our spiritual responsibilities uh, in the name of pursuing money and things. Amen. I'm not chasing after money. I refuse to do it. I'm chasing after God and His plan. Matthew 6, says, Seek first, not money. Amen. So, you know, if you want to break over into God's flow of provision... And you need to in these last days because the world is not very reliable. It never has been, but it's, it's never been more unreliable than it is now. And, um, but so you're going to have to be willing as a believer to think very differently than maybe we've thought and been trained in school, you know, about relying on ourselves and our work ethic and, and, and uh, looking to a job. And many of us have jobs, and that's not wrong, and that's not unscriptural. Amen. But we shouldn't trust in our job. We shouldn't limit what we can have and what we can walk in and what we can do by our little paycheck either. Amen. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the principle of the kingdom is not seek first your, you know, your mortgage getting paid. It's seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. You think about added to you, that doesn't indicate to me a struggle to get by, a struggle to get what I need. Amen. God is going to add a house to me. He's adding cars to me. He's adding clothes and food and vacation. Everything I'll need, want, and desire, He's adding that to my life as I busy myself seeking Him and His kingdom. Amen. And don't just give lip service to, yeah, I'm doing that, yeah, I'm doing that. Are you really doing that? Amen. Praise God. Many of you are, but maybe not all of you are. I've uh, uh, been reading this book that uh, Reverend Richard Roberts sent me that his dad wrote called Attack Your Lack. And it, the book begins, I thought, is this ever going to change? It was just like bleak, you know, talking about how most people live their lives and how most Christians even think in their attitude. I, I'm going to share a little bit with you and don't get discouraged. I mean, <laughs> I just thought it was a little bit humorous. And so he's just, get, just kind of beginning with this litany of stuff that we go through in life. I'll just pick it up kind of midstream, okay, spare you a little bit. Sickness hits. The job market gets bad. Taxes go up. 
Bills pile up. Trouble in your family. There's too much, too much month left and the money's run out. Pain, bad news, noise, headaches, more bad news, no vacation. Vacation, but it was horrible. <laughs> Car breaks down, roof leaks, cop stops you for a taillight burned out, running a red light, going 40 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone, more doctor bills, a flat tire, church wants more money. <laughs> Another sick child, need new clothes, shoes hurt your feet, sore throat, burnt the roast, no roast. <laughs> Food prices go up, how to cut out something else, more sickness, cancer, shoulder hurts, arthritis, colon trouble, surgery needed, prayed, no answer, read Bible again, why doesn't God speak to me? Woke up feeling good at 3 o'clock, got more bad news, couldn't sleep last night, it's raining again, cars in the shop, blah, 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 what's the use of going on? A relation died, more divorces. Will I be next? Drugs, alcohol. Uh, why, why don't they get off my back? Tried to pray, felt better, didn't last. Why me, Lord? Heard this preacher on TV. I like him. Talks about miracles. Miracles, really? Wonder if I could get just one. You begin to think miracles, they're for somebody else. God doesn't know my address. Doesn't care anyway. Why should he? What have I ever done for him? Well, I've done a lot. I always help somebody. I gave $5 in church. <laughs> it's very encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> Always thought it'd be nice to tithe, never have enough money for myself. How could I give a tenth to God when He doesn't need it anyway? Oh, great, just what I need, another problem. Pain in my chest, coughing, bad breath. <laughs> that kid of mine, will he ever straighten out? My neighbor's noisy, always buttoning in, car won't run again, hurt my leg, so and so wouldn't speak. Looked right at me and walked by, who cares? Look at, look at that. There's another TV, uh, terrorist bombing on TV. Why doesn't the government do something? Fat chance. Bill collector called again. Snow predicted. Wish summer was here. I wish I wasn't here. My brother wants me to loan him some money. His wife has B.O. Why don't they work like I have to? Got to go to a funeral. We all die sometime. Will I die? Well... I don't want to think about it. Hurting again, can't sleep, I'm nervous, I need help. Who can I talk to, write to, who will help me? Does prayer really work? Plant a seed, what's a seed? Talk about my faith being a seed I plant. What does that mean? Source, God being my source, how's that? God can meet all my needs, go on. Really? All my needs, all how, when? God, help me please. Now I hope you didn't come to church tonight thinking, <laughs> I hope that's not been your day or your week or your month. Amen. But that person really needs some help. Amen. And uh, I tell you what, praise God, we need a, a revelation of the goodness of God. And one thing I want to do tonight is I take authority in the name of Jesus over all financial discouragement in your life. And I command it to leave you in Jesus' name. I command all frustration over finances to leave you and cease and desist in its work against your mind and attitude in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is a good God. Hallelujah. That Christian right there, he doesn't know or have any faith, doesn't have any knowledge in the Word of God. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, in verse number 9, it says that uh, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Though he was rich or so very rich, yet, uh, well, I hadn't opened it uh, I think I got there. I can quote it. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes. Notice, who's, he did it for a purpose. 
For our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Amen? And uh, th- this is in the Word, yet we, the Christians have really had a problem in pulpits across the land by unbelieving, uh, ignorant preachers that are telling the body of Christ that prosperity and even abundance is not for them. Amen? But did you know something? There is nothing spiritual about being poor. There's nothing spiritual about lack. Amen. Lack is part of the curse. I said lack is part of the curse. And I'm not going to have any part of the curse in my life. Amen. I'm determined. Because I found out in His Word I don't have to have it. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed Chris Cody from the curse of the law. Amen. Having become a curse for us. And that must mean that Jesus became poor. And he said right here, Paul said that he did. That Jesus, though he was so very rich. Oh, pastor, that's talking about spiritual riches. No, you're, you're twisting the context of that chapter to try to spiritualize that. The entire context of chapter 8 and 9 is all about money, finances, offerings, and material things. Amen? So if you believe in uh, context of the scripture, well, then you need to be true to it. Hallelujah. Look at the amplified classic of this uh, verse. It's so good. It says, For you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His kindness, His His gracious generosity, His undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, in that though He was so very rich, yet for your sake, everyone say, for my sake, I mean, point at yourself. Make sure that you get it. For my sake. For your your sake. Amen. He suffered in a way for your sake. For your sake. For your family's sake. For your kids. For your wife. For your children and grandchildren. Amen. Though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor. In order that by or through his poverty you might become enriched abundantly supplied. Don't let the word rich throw you. That's just what it means. It means to be abundantly supplied, or is the way I've been teaching it to you, for the word wealth and rich to mean to have any meaning at all. We have to agree minimum. It's got to be a whole lot more than what you need. A whole lot more than what you need. Amen. So God wants you to have a whole lot more than what your, your you add up your monthly budget. Amen. Everything included in the funding of your life. And he wants you to have a whole lot more than that. A whole lot more than that. And so if you're not in that flow, amen, then you've got a ways to go. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, God said something to me by the Holy Ghost through Pastor Nancy Dufresne on January 13th of last year. She she called me out and she said, Pastor Cody, it's a new day for you. It's a new day for you. The struggle is behind you. See, I refuse to struggle. I refuse to struggle anymore with finances. And you just stay with me tonight, amen? Now, praise God, prosperity is a journey. You're not, it's not just an arrival point. It's a journey, and you're going to go through some stuff on your journey. You know, before God dumps abundance in your lap, He's going to prove you. He's going to find out, will you praise Him without money? 
Will you love and serve Him when you don't have money, when things are tight, when you don't know where your next meal is coming from? Will you praise Him? Will you call Him good? Will you call Him faithful? Or will you get bitter? Will you get mad? Will you get offended? When things get tight, do you withdraw your tithe? Do you back up on your offerings? He's going to find out. Amen. Everything He needs to know about what's in your heart and your character development before He takes you out of the wilderness and drops you in Canaan, the promised land. But, amen, that is where God wants to take us all. Through the wilderness and into the promised land. That land that flows with milk and honey. Amen. Well, I'm not saying that I'm beyond uh, financial tests. I know that uh, to get to the next level, no doubt there will be more proving in my life. But I've been through struggle. You know, our, in leading our church, we've, we've been through years at a time where in the accounting, the church never saw the black. We were always behind. Now, we always had our bills paid, but the accounting never showed that we were in the, in the black. We were, we were in the red for at least, what, maybe two, over two years, maybe three years we never saw. But you know what? We just kept giving and we just kept trudging along and we just kept go, calling God faithful. And we kept looking to God for tweaks and instruction. And we just refused to quit. And we just plowed through. Amen. And then we broke into a new season some years ago. And now it's been years since we ever saw the red. And I'm not going back to the red. I'm not going back to the red. Not in my personal life. Not in my ministry life. Amen. Praise God. Instead, the Spirit of God said, you're in a flow now. It's a flow. See, that's what, that's what God wants you to be in. He wants you to be in a, a mode in life where finances just flow. They're not hard. You're just not in a struggle all the time. Amen. I mean, you don't have to go fishing under the couch cushions to get you a scoop of ice cream. Amen. Praise God. I've done that before back in my college days. Would the couch cushions give me enough to go get a taco at Taco Bell? But those days are over for me. I just get the six-pack and let all my family get whatever they want. I don't even care what it costs. I'm going to eat the Mexican pizza with sour cream and get what I want. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. You know, we've, you've got to get a revelation. Amen. Are you, are you saved or not? Are you trying to get saved? No, you're saved. Through the death, burial, and resurrection and your faith in Christ, He made you right with Him. You are, the Bible says, the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not struggling to be righteous. He made me righteous. He made you righteous. You couldn't be more righteous in His sight Amen. Then you are right now that you were the moment you were born again. Oh, you could behave better. We all could. Amen. But down in your spirit, he deposited a gift on the inside of your spirit. And the Bible says that though Jesus knew no sin, he was made to be sin so that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And you cannot separate David Waddell from righteousness. It's not a struggle. It's been imputed to his account. It's been added to your account. Amen? So you can't separate me from God. You can't separate Chris Cody from righteousness. It's mine. He made me that. Hallelujah. Well, similarly, uh, I'm not the sick trying to get well. He made me the healed. 
I am the healed of the Lord. And you are too. Because He Himself bore your sin in His own body on the tree, that you and I being dead to sin might live under righteousness by whose stripes? His stripes you were healed. Oh, life in this fallen world and the devil will come and try to take healing from you. Amen. But to have the right to walk in divine health, to live free, you've got to switch this thing around. I'm not trying to get healed. I am the healed. You cannot separate me from healing. You cannot. By faith in the death, burial, and resurrection, by the stripes that he bore in his body, I am healed. And if I just believe that, and if I just speak in line with that, amen, then I will experience that. Well, friends, in just the same way, this is where we need a paradigm shift. You cannot separate Chris Cody from prosperity. You, you cannot separate me from rich. We just read it. You, you're not waiting for you to cross some, some sort of threshold on your net worth profit loss statement before you can call yourself rich. I am rich. Faith, you are rich. The Bible says you are. Are we word people? Come on, look at this verse again. He who right, knew no poverty was made to be poor, that you and I might be made rich. So I don't look to my bank account to tell me whether I'm rich or poor. I look to the Word of God. I said, I look to the Word of God. Amen? Well, Pastor, I acknowledge that. From the Word of God, it does say that I'm rich, but why am I so struggling? Well, do you identify with who He made you to be? This is where people, when they want to be more righteous in their behavior, a key is stop trying to struggle to work yourself into pleasing God and being righteous. Just identify with who He made you to be. Call yourself the righteousness of God and you will end up performing that, being that. Amen? You call yourself healed when your body tells you you're not. Amen? This is a by faith. I identify with Christ, just like Paul did. Paul said in Galatians 2.20 that uh, I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He identified with the death of Jesus. Amen. And He said in Romans, if we die with Him, surely we'll be raised with Him. Surely we'll be glorified with Him. Amen. Amen. So you cannot separate me from health. You cannot. No one can. Amen. I don't know if you're getting it. Well, you need to think this way. I am rich. He made me that. I will never be separated from supply ever again. Because my God shall supply all my need. And you need to identify in your mind, in your thoughts, in your heart with who He made you to be. Stop looking at your circumstances. I'm telling you how to get your circumstances to look different. Believe the Word of God. Declare the Word of God. Think in line with who He made you to be. That verse is true and it's no lie. 
That verse is true and it's no lie. Well, I had a bankruptcy last year. That verse is true and no lie. Hallelujah. Amen. There are reasons why people fall short of the blessings and promises of God. Amen. But it's never on God's side. It's never on God's side. If someone dies and goes to hell, Jesus paid the price for them to be saved. For whatever reason, they didn't lay hold. They didn't take advantage of what was made available for them. Every precious believer, for whatever reason, that falls short and does not receive healing for their body, it does not change the price that was paid. It does not change the promise that was there. It did not change that the standard of the word is, is that you're the healed of the Lord, amen, and by faith you enter into it. We should be, where our interest should be is what do I need to know? What do I need to do to be able to cooperate more fully with my Father so that what He made me to be in Christ can show up in my here and now? Are you interested in that? Well, tonight, if I can, I want to give you five things that you must know and do if you want to experience Bible prosperity. Amen. Anybody interested in that? Amen. Well, you could turn to Deuteronomy 26. Now, these, uh, these are elementary things, but they're, they're very powerful. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 26. The first thing that you must know and do if you want to prosper financially, and be rich and have an abundance from God. Uh, amen. Not just worldly prosperity. Not making a deal with the devil and he give you some money. But I'm talking about prospering God's way. Then number one, you must know and do tithing. I thought it was very interesting when the prophet was here, when Dr. Jacobs was here this week. He said, you know, it's interesting. He said, I've gone to a lot of places and you know what the pastors are preaching? Tithing. And I'd been teaching on tithe. I thought, that's interesting. Amen. The Holy Ghost must be up to something. Amen. Now, I, just, I can only touch on this in each one of these five. And I have more than five. And it's probably too ambitious to think I could give you five tonight. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how we, do, how we go. But each one of these is a sermon or a sermon series. Amen. So, I've already taught a lesson on tithing recently. But I want to point out some things in Deuteronomy 26. This is the go-to chapter on uh, how to, where to get revelation on how to tithe. How to tithe. Amen. Well, I want to point out a few verses here real quick. Number uh, one, or look at verse number three. Notice it says, and I circled these, I underlined them in my Bible, and you shall go to the priest, or you shall go to the minister. Amen. With what? With your tithe. So they would literally, uh, if, if, they, if, their, if their increase came in the form of grain, then they would separate the first and the best 10% of the grain, and they would present it at the temple. They would present it to the priest, the minister. Amen? The Bible says in Malachi, bring the tithe. Bring it. He didn't say send it. He said bring it. Now, you're on vacation, it's very honorable to make sure that you've tithed and you've sinned it. But I'm, to, to really tithe as an ongoing thing, you bring yourself, you bring your family, and you have that check, or you, you have your phone, and you're about to click that. Amen? And you bring your tithe to the house of God and to the minister. 
Then notice also in verse 3, it says, and say. Tithing involves saying. I said tithing involves saying. Amen. Verse 4 says, And the priest will take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. Look at verse 5. Mark these verses. And you shall speak and you shall say before the Lord thy God. Tithing is not just depositing 10% on a check or cash or an electronic transfer and you're done. That's not tithing. We're grateful you did the money, but this could be a reason why you're not experiencing the, the written promises of the tithe because you're not doing it right. You have a wonderful habit of bringing the money, and the church sure appreciates that. But I'm not just interested in receiving the money for the church. I want you to have your barn filled with plenty and your vats bursting forth with new wine that the devourers rebuke for your sakes that you are a delightsome land. Amen. Oh, glory. That the high priest is in Hebrews 7, 8 is pronouncing blessing on your life. Your resources are protected and you're on the increase. That's what I want for you. So tithing involves saying. Look at uh, verse number 13 in this chapter. Then you shall say before the Lord. You should read and study this whole chapter. I just don't have time. Then you shall say before the Lord thy God, I have brought away the hallowed things out of my house. Meaning the tithe is a hallowed thing. It's a holy thing. And I have given them unto the Levite. That's the minister. And you know the Levite's going to take care of the stranger, the fatherless. Amen. You bring your tithe here. You know if there's somebody poor among us, we're going to do our best to help them. Amen. And we've done it over and over and over again. Verse 14, he's just, this is a long prayer, a confession. He says, I've not eaten thereof. In other words, he said, I didn't, I didn't use my tithe to pay my car payment. I didn't use my tithe, amen, to, to, on the Dillard's card or on a vacation or for my rent or for my mortgage. Instead, I brought it, Father. I brought my tithe to you. I brought it to your priest. I present it to the... So do you see, tithing involves saying. Tithing involves speaking. Hallelujah. All right. So we see the bringing of the tithe. We see, number two, the speaking and the saying. I want to point out verse number 10 and 11. Look at verse number 10 and 11. It says, And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which you, Lord, have given me, and you shall set it before the Lord thy God, and what? Worship. Tithing involves what? Worship. Look at the 11th verse. It says, And you shall rejoice. When was the last time you worshiped? And rejoiced as, as a process of you bringing your tithe. Oh, glory. Well, pastor, man, it's just sure easy to just plunk that thing. And just, you know. Well, we appreciate the plunk. Amen. But no, like uh, when I presented, uh, uh, I just got the tithe from our accounting gal from the church. And I'm going to mail that to Dr. Jacobs now that he's not with us. And, but I took that and I wrote him a note. And uh, I, I enclose it in an envelope, and this is what I do every time. I say, now, Father, on behalf of every tithing member of my church, we present to you right now this tithe. And I honor you, and I worship you, and I thank you for the provision of the week. I thank you for moving on our behalf. I thank you for blessing the people of our church, taking care of them. And, Father, we honor you in this. We hope that you're pleased in this. I release it to you in faith, and I'm expecting you to take care of our church and our families again this next week. See, I'm worshiping. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to speak and I'm going to say. 
Amen. That's number one. The second thing that you must know and do if you want to walk in supernatural prosperity is you must be a generous giver. You know, Dr. Jacob said repeatedly, he said, uh, there's always another step with God. There's always a next level. There's always something else. Amen? And some of you said, well, man, I struggle with tithing, but I'm a tither now. Great. Great. Now you need to go on to offerings. You need to go on to offerings. Amen. Look at Proverbs chapter 11 with me. Proverbs chapter 11. I like the way Dr. Jacob says it. He says, live, determined to live on the giving side of life. And you may be a bigger giver than you even think you are. And, and it, uh, Brother Keith Moore pointed this out to me. I didn't, he didn't say it to me personally. I'm just listening to him. And he said, you know, when you buy your, you bless your children with, for their birthday, you gave to them. That's giving. Amen. When you, when you bless them, you bless somebody, you, you, take, you do something for somebody. Amen. That's giving. Giving is not just giving to the church or giving to the kingdom. Giving to the poor. We should do all that. Amen. Amen. But I'm giving, I, I'm endeavoring to be a giver everywhere I go. I'm going to give everywhere I go. I was lifting weights the other day in the, in the dumbbell room, and this little gal uh, had been uh, doing something with two 60-pound dumbbells. And you could tell she was breathing hard, you know, and, and kind of pooped. And I didn't get to her the first time, because, but she, she, she pushed that thing from the back to the front where the rack was and then picked it up and put it down. And then she went back to start pushing the other one. I walked over and they said, could I get that for you? She said, that would be great. Amen. And look, no, here it's not a big thing, but amen, just there, there's a mindset that you need to enter into. There's just a flow that I'm here to serve and I'm here to bless and I'm here to lift and I'm here to help. Amen. And that is me because that's God. God is a giver. God is not a taker. God is a giver. The Bible says God is love and the highest expression of love is giving. Amen. And you got to get firmly planted as a lifestyle on the giving side of life and work on yourself to be more generous than you've been. Oh, pastor, a couple years ago, I really pushed the envelope and was more generous. That's awesome. You're going to stagnate now? You're going to call yourself arrived? Come on, I know I could be more generous than I am. And so, uh, until you've had, if you've not had this thought, you hadn't lived yet. Oh, if I'm as generous as I want to be, I wonder if God could keep up with my generosity. Well, maybe you just need to have that arm wrestling match with God. I wonder if God could keep up with your giving. I wonder if God could keep up with your generosity. I'm betting He could. If He finds you a generous soul, He's going to make sure you're equipped with what you need to keep being generous. But don't wait on the money to show up. Decide, I'm a generous person. You know, that means you don't go to the restaurant hoping under, in, underneath where you, no one can see that someone else grabs that check. 
You know about the time it's time to pay the bill that you disappear to the bathroom. Amen. People do stuff like that. Amen. You know, here in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, it says, There is that scatters and yet increases. And there is that withholds more than is meet or more than is good or necessary or appropriate. But that action, withholding and not being generous, leads to poverty. I said it leads to poverty. The way you break poverty is you be generous. Amen. You heard Dr. Jacobs, you know, we'll, we'll repeat his story. He said, when I first started wanting to bless preachers, I could just buy a tie. But I just kept after it. Before long, I can buy him a suit. And right now, he's at work buying all of his spiritual son's custom jackets at a high-end store. Bless you. Amen. Bought cars for missionaries. Paid pastor's salaries for a whole year at a time. He just keeps pushing the envelope. I saw him write a $50,000, I didn't see the check, but I saw him just make the commitment to Pastor Nancy to write a $50,000 check to help her buy an airplane. He didn't even act like it was a stretch for him. And you know what I've decided? If I live like Dr. Jacobs, then one day I can live like Dr. Jacobs. Amen. But it starts where you are. Stop that being chintzy. Stop that, you know, thinking about money, 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 money all the time. Stop that. I heard a man say today, he said, if you're not word conscious, then you will be money dominated. Because money is a powerful God, little g in this world. We need to be Word conscious. Amen. This is good preaching, good teaching. Amen. The, um, well, I thought I had that in a different translation, but it, it's no matter. You know, that, that word scattereth means give and be generous. Notice it says in verse 25, it says the liberal soul. Amen. That word means generous. The generous soul shall be made fat. That's prosperous. And he that waters shall be watered also himself. So when you leave your house, I'm, I'm leaving to water someone's life, to bless someone's life, to the best of my ability, then God says, your life's going to be watered. Your bills are going to get paid. Your needs are going to be met. Amen. Hallelujah. The third thing that you must know and do is you must plant yourself in a local church and, the, and under the ministry of the pastor God has assigned to your life. Now, a lot of Christians, we lose them. We lose them right there. They don't connect the biblical dots between their financial and material blessing and the local church, amen, that they're called to. But it's scriptural. Amen. In Psalm 92... Verse 12 through 14, and I'll read it from the Amplified. It says, The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They shall be long-lived and stately. You can't be stately broke. 
No, that, that broken stately don't, don't fit. They will be upright, useful, and fruitful. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They shall be majestic, stable, durable, incorruptible. Now notice what this person is doing. Verse 13, planted in the house of the Lord. They don't visit the house of the Lord. They're not just a Sunday-only person. Amen. They're planted, and they're uncompromising about it. That means when the boss says, I'm going to take all your church services away from you so you can work a shift for me, then you're going to have enough faith and gumption to do what you can to change that. The uncompromisingly righteous are not going to let the world push them out of church attendance entirely. The one that's flourishing in this scripture is present constantly in the house of God. It says that they flourish. I like that word. In the courts of their God. Verse 14 says they are growing in grace. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap, of spiritual vitality, and rich in the verdure of trust, love, and contentment. In Jeremiah 23, verse 3 and 4, God says, I'm going to gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I have driven them, and I will bring them again to their folds. That's the local church. And it says they shall be fruitful and increase. When? When they get in the local church that God has assigned to their life. And it says, and I will set up shepherds, that's pastors, over them, who shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, neither shall they be dismayed, and they shall not be lacking. So do you see that to flow in biblical prosperity, you have to be planted in the local church. You have to bring your supply to the house of God to the spiritual family that God has assigned to you. You don't get to neglect your supply to the spiritual household of faith that God's assigned you to and prosper. We don't get to do that and still flourish. Well, I send my tithe in. Thank God for that. But if you can, now I, we have shut-ins and they're physically unable to get here. I'm not talking about that. Come on, guys, I am not talking about that. But I'm talking about being uncompromising. I am physically able. Amen. I've got a responsibility to be there. I'm going to be there. And I'm not just going to breathe air and be counted. But I'm going to contribute. I'm going to contribute in prayer. I'm going to contribute to the work of the ministry. I'm going to contribute in pastoral care where I can. I'm going to contribute to the natural chores of the maintenance of the church. This is not talking about someone who's willing to be on the sidelines. Amen? All right. The fourth thing that you must know and do to walk in supernatural prosperity is you must hear and heed the voice of God in your life. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, of all of the five in this list, this is number four. The Lord has specially dealt with me today about this. 
if we want to prosper to the fullest degree, we must give diligence to hear God's voice and to heed that voice. Now, right here, this separates the spiritual men from the spiritual boys. Right here. Are you giving diligence to hear what God would say to you about your life? About this season of your life? About His plan for you? God said to me today, He said, Son, I so long to advance my children, but they're so busy, they, they seldom come and pray and talk to me. They're just making decisions because decisions have to be made. But they don't come and dwell and linger in my presence long enough for their mind to grow quiet and their hearts to be able to discern what I'm endeavoring to speak unto them and so they miss it. And they veer off course. And because of that, I am not able to bless my children the way I want to. It is imperative that you take time to talk to God about your life and not to just assume that you have dotted every I, you know, yes, and crossed every T. I always get those kind of mixed up. <laughs> and that you're just el perfecto in your walk with Him. And God's not mad at us at all. But we have to hear from headquarters. I am God's to command. I love something I heard Pastor Nancy say. She said, I, I had this thought and she said, I made this decision in the aftermath of Dr. Dufresne, her husband, going home to be with the Lord. She said, all I have to do is make one decision. I don't have to do anything in my life. All these pressures, all the things, all the things that are now on her lap, all the pressures, millions of dollars of projects. And now she's the point person on that. She said, all I have to do is one thing. I'm making one decision. That's all I have to do. And that is hear and do what he said. You want to make life simple? You want to guarantee your victory? Guarantee your success? Just make that same decision. All I'm doing in my life, I don't care what he says, where it takes me, what instruction, I don't care. I've decided I'm going to hear and do it. I'm going to hear and do it. If he says do it, I'm doing it. Amen? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Oh, I like this. I like this preaching so far. I may listen to myself on the way home. I always do anyway. I always re-listen re to my sermon. Always. Hallelujah. All right, look at number one. Verse number one of this chapter. And it shall come to pass. Guaranteed? It shall come to pass. If. If is the biggest word in the Bible. You don't like it? A lot of us don't like it. I don't like it because we're not sure what comes after if. And it shall come to pass if. If what? If thou, if you. Now listen, no one can do this for you. I can't do this for you. 
as your pastor. Yeah, I, okay, I can't do this for you as your pastor. You have to make the decision to bring yourself in line with this verse. We love to just skip over this and start going, I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. No, you're not. No, you're not. I, most of us are not. Not like we could be. How many of you are giving loans to people? Well, I haven't given a loan either. You know, not more than $5 or something. No, we got, what's that mean? It just means we got more to go. If you will hearken. What does that mean? Listen. If you will listen. That's the problem with most Christians. That's been my problem. Failure to listen or refusal to listen. Sometimes it's a failure to listen. Sometimes it's a refusal to listen. They both end you in the same place. Disqualified for the rest of the blessings. Amen. You know, over a little bit of time, it's just right. Over a little bit of time, the way we're living reflects how well we're listening. So if you're just year over year over year over year just treading water, barely making it, never increasing, constantly struggling financially and materially, you don't listen very good. Because if you would listen to God and do what He said, He'd lead you out of that. Don't beat yourself up, but be honest. If you're in perpetual struggle, if you're in perpetual sickness, amen, that you don't listen very good. Because if you would listen and do what He said, the Bible would have to be a lie for you not to have this. For me not to have this. So don't, don't point at the preacher and say that prosperity stuff don't work. You just don't listen. It's working for me. Not as good, not, a, not to the degree I want it to, but I'm, it's working. It's working. I said it's working. Praise God. If you, it shall come to pass, if you will listen. Now listen what? Listen occasionally? Listen diligently. Pastor, do I really? Well, if you, no, you don't have to, but if you don't want this in. You can just keep, keep ringing, ringing, ringing on that Social Security check and see if you can get prosperous with that. You're just not going to get there. Thank God for it. You paid into it, but it's not enough to live on. I said, it's not enough to live on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Tap into some government program, and, and if it's legal, fine, do it. I would. Amen. I said, I would. It sure gets quiet. So it says, if you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to observe, mark that, observe. Observe. That means you're going to take note and to do all His commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set you on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings 
shall come upon you and over, I like that, shall come upon you and overtake you. Pastor Chris, I understand you're all excited about that, but you're still young, and, but I'm retired. What, where does retired have, there's no retired in this verse. People disqualify themselves in their own brain because of their age. Don't do that. Stop that. Amen. Again, get all financial discouragement out. Set your eyes on God. Have confidence in Him. He is able, come on, to change it, to get the money to you, to pay your bills, eliminate your debts, put you on top. God is God. He is able to do it. Glory to God. Amen. I'm preaching to myself too. Don't, don't get touchy. All these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Oh, darn it. If, if you will hearken, listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Church, you cannot and will not prosper apart from being led by His Spirit. You must learn how to hear the voice of God for yourself. You must develop your spirit so that your spirit is sensitive to the leadings and to the promptings of the Holy Ghost. And you've got to stop overriding Him, ignoring Him, and stubbornly marching on in your own thoughts, in your own way, in your own plan. God's plan is pre-funded. God funds His plan. If you pursue your plan, you have to finance it yourself. God is not going to finance your plan. So if you want to get in divine funding, get in His plan. Yeah. I like being funded. It's not a struggle. Amen. I'm not saying I don't face pressures. I mean, because as I move out with God, um, He's constantly leading me into places of faith because he never wants me to look at my bank account and go, I don't need to rely on God. I don't need to pray. I don't need to trust God. I don't need to, you know, really to be looking to him. So he's going to constant, he's constantly leading me into needs that are beyond myself, where I'm constantly having to trust him for the next thing. We just started making movement toward. Uh, the remodeling of the master bath. Had no real money set aside for it. Where's the money going to come from? From my father. From, that's from my father. So we just started making movement. We did. And then we had enough money to buy a really nice vanity. Not cheap vanity, particle board vanity. A nice vanity. It paid for and then we stretched out and shopped and shopped, and that took the longest to get my wife to decide what she really liked. Amen. But she did. And it isn't it amazing? It's just how God works. When we found the tile that was really it and really right, we had the money. We had the money. 
We've got all, don't we, we've got all the material paid for. Oh, we've got to buy the sink. The sink, you don't care about that. We've got a little, you know, little stuff to buy. Amen. But we just keep making movement. Well, we've made enough movement. Now, Friday is demo day. That means we're going to be on the hook for labor. Where's the money for labor going to come from? From my father. Amen. Are you, are you concerned about it? No. I'm not. But I've, I, I, after, see, I struggled for a long time. I struggled for a long time. But, and this goes on, but the Spirit of God said through Pastor Nancy, you had to learn some things. And it's what I had not learned yet that made the struggle the struggle. It wasn't God assigning struggle to me. It's what I didn't know about the flow. It's what I didn't know about walking with Him that I had to learn. But now that I've learned it, now that my wife and I have learned it, we don't have to go back to struggle. We just have to stay with what we learned. Amen. But now you've got some groundwork laid so everything's going, it'll flow. It'll flow. Hallelujah. Well, God wants you to be in the flow. Amen. But it's just huge. I, you guys, talk to God about your life. I talk to God about bathroom remodels. I'm talking to God. We're, we're, we're endeavoring, getting closer every day to a planned vacation, family vacation. And we're not going to take a chipper chicken vacation. I'm not going to stay in what Dr. Jacobs call it, the Motel 6 2.0, the roadside inn. I'm not going to stay in the roadside inn. God, I found out God funds excellence. Amen. Well, we had to put a deposit up. So we did. And it's funded. The money came for that. But see, every day... I'm saying to Father, I thank you for my vacation. I thank you that the money's coming. I thank you. We've got seed in the ground, and I thank you, Father God, for my harvest. And I just say, the money will be here when I need it. The money will be here when I need it. The money will be here when I need it. Amen. In September, I, I've been invited to go with uh, five of the, some of my best preacher's friends for some. You know, God will lead you into some fellowship. You know, I have a life to live, too. And uh, so they, the, the, where they were talking about on this text thread about staying was, ah, you know, a lot of them have salaries that are a lot bigger than mine. A lot of them have churches that are much bigger than, than mine. And so they're like, well, I'd prefer to stay here. And this, I'm like, oh, so what am I going to say to these guys? Hey, guys, we need to chintz the budget here because I, I just found out, no, I don't have to do that if I've got the measure of faith for it. Amen. Praise God. How's that all going to go? Where's that money going to come from? From my father. Amen. But see, I'm living these other things. I'm a tither. I won't, I won't not be a tither so I can go on a trip with some preachers for vacation or with my family or to have a new bathroom. I'm not going to not give to the special projects. Amen. To better God's house because I'm too busy working on my house. Amen. These are things you must do. These are things you must know and practice in your life. You have to focus and spend some time developing your ear to hear and to be led by the Spirit of God. 
The Spirit of God is never going to lead us to failure. He'll never lead us to poverty. He's never going to lead us to straightened circumstances. He'll lead you to places where you're going to have to have a miracle. But He excels. I mean, we sing tonight, miracle. You know, and we're all excited about miracles. But you know, to have a miracle means you've got to have something impossible. And anytime you see something, some people, Christians, anytime they see, if I follow God, there's going to be an impossibility down the road. No, I'm not going there. I don't want to face that. Well, you just don't, don't sing the miracle song then. You're not interested in miracles. Right? The Red Sea miracle was a dead end to them in the natural. God led them to suicide. He led them to certain utter defeat if he didn't come through. But guess what? He came through. And he always comes through. Always. Well, I started this project. He didn't come through. Wrong project. Wrong project. Wrong time. You didn't talk enough. You didn't hear. You, you weren't led. Just admit it. There are no faith failures. God did not fail. And I've been there. I'm just not going to blame God for my goof-ups. I'm going to appeal to him for mercy. Oh, Father, I, I missed it. I thought that was you, but it was not. Help, help me. And God goes, I'm going to help you. Are you with me? I think we're going to get all five of these in. Amen. I believe in miracles. Amen. Number five. What is number five? That's why you type notes. The fifth thing that you must know and do is that you must constantly be in pursuit of greater wisdom and greater knowledge. Let's close tonight in Proverbs chapter 8. The Bible says about wisdom that wisdom is the principal thing. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, another translation says it's the chief thing. Amen? To prosper financially and materially requires the wisdom of God. We need wisdom. We need His wisdom. We need to increase in knowledge. High school graduates, if they just follow the average curriculum, are going to graduate high school financial illiterates. I, I, because we're not training them how to manage money, income outgo, how to balance a checkbook, read a profit loss statement, what is a balance sheet. Most high school curriculums are not going to touch it. And unless you're going to go into an accounting degree in college, you're going to graduate college financially illiterate. And because of the way the college universities are with the banks and the credit cards, you'll probably be with a hefty student loan and a whole lot of credit card debt when you graduate. Welcome to the world. Amen. We need the wisdom of God. We need to learn how money works. Amen. You're going to have to sit down and do you spend all you earn every month? You're going to get to the end of your life and you won't have what you need. And you'll wonder, where is God? Well, God was back then trying to tell you that you didn't need that candy bar. 
You didn't, you didn't need to blow that money on this, that, and the other. At the expense, amen, of setting some money aside in a savings account and learning some things, basic things about investments. Well, y'all don't get quiet on me now. I'm faith people. I don't care anything about uh, money market accounts and IRAs and 401ks. Well, you're, you're ignorant then. You're just you're being foolish. Read my book, Practical Prosperity. There's two sides to this thing. There's miracle financial increase and there's good Bible sense. Natural things that we should do. And we do them both. I said we do them both. So here it says in Proverbs 8, verse 17, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this, and it's, it says, I love, but it's wisdom talking, if you were to read the previous verses. So wisdom says, I love those who love me. Wisdom will love on you if you love it first. Those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor. Who does? Your friend Wisdom. Now I like this. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth. Other translations will say durable riches. In other words, wealth that is not fleeting, wealth that is not lost, wealth that will endure the ups and the downs of the natural world system. Praise God. My gifts, wisdom's gifts, are better than gold. Even the purest gold. My wages are better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness. See, anything that's uncouth, that doesn't have integrity attached to it, get-rich-quick schemes, cheating, not reporting your taxes, trying to do stuff under the table, you left wisdom. I said you left wisdom because wisdom is in the way of righteousness. So wisdom pays its bills. Wisdom lives within its means. Wisdom does things the right way. Wisdom might not like the government regulation, but wisdom will fall in line with it and work the system and win. Amen. So there's nothing wise or true in wisdom if it's taking you away from all that is moral and right and legal and integrous. Amen. Those who love me, wisdom, what happens to them? They inherit wealth. It's, it closes, I'm finishing with it, the chapter goes on, but I'm finishing with the 21st verse. Those who love me inherit wealth. I, wisdom, will fill their treasuries. Hallelujah. I will fill their treasuries. Concerning knowledge, Hosea 4, 6, you know that one, right? God says, my people perish. Hebrew, it literally says, my people are cut off for lack of knowledge. Amen? I was reading uh, Dr. Savell, one of his uh, lessons 
on prosperity. We actually studied it in our staff meeting. And he said, you know what? You can get today the equivalent of a college degree simply by listening to the right audio books in your car. Wouldn't cost you just the, the price for the audio book. And you can learn about money. And you can learn about real estate. And you can learn about tax shelters. And you can learn about investment. And you can learn about compound interest. And, and you can learn about success strategies. And if, if you're stirred about uh, construction, then you can learn how to be a, a great contractor. And you can, you can learn about how to restore cars better than John can currently. I mean, there's always something we could do more. There's, there's some sort of skill on you. There's some sort of gift on your life, some sort of grace on your life, but you've got to develop that gift. Just like uh, Pastor Paul here in training, you've, you're, you've got that office in you, but you've got to study your craft and learn about that office and amen, and not just expect God and the anointing to bail you out every time you wander behind the pulpit. And I'm not putting that on you. I'm just saying there's more to learn. And if we'll learn and, and be more wise and less foolish, we're going to end up wealthy. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand up on your feet tonight. Praise God. I said praise God. Hallelujah.